This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. And with me today is Hans, who was just telling me that Dave Roll is going to win Best Actor at the Golden Globes this year for Studio 666, your favorite movie of 2022. How's, how is the film, Hans, so far? Well, one of my friends asked me to download it because I'm the, I'm the illegal movie guy here in my neighborhood with my friends. Uh, and I was like, fine, because we've, we've shot on it enough, uh, just the trailer. Uh, I don't know if we've actually done that on on a show, but uh, at least on, on messages. But I was like, all right, I'll download it and I'll start watching it now while I was waiting uh, to get into this meeting. And uh, it, it doesn't look terrible. The writing is bad. Like the writing is very early 2010s, I guess. Very Seth Rogen-y, uh, like early Seth Rogen, where the jokes are like, well, you're a fucking bitch, huh? And then the other guy's like, well, I guess I'm a bitch. You know, like that type of type of weird uh we're friends but it seems not very friendly i think you might be misremembering that that sort of humor that was more like the middle years when they were starting to realize oh we can't do you know how i know your gay jokes all right so what what can we do you're you're a fucking slut uh yeah yeah yeah. Like, like random but but uh offensive uh, they have a joke that I wrote down. So I, I guess the whole gist of the movie, which I, I didn't even know what it was about, is that they're trying to find a cool house to record a new album, right? To right. make it like the classics, really cool murder house or whatever. And then you have the real, I only watched what, like five minutes of it. The real estate lady is showing them the house and she's showing them the kitchen. And she says, uh, oh, do we have any chefs in the group? And they roll says, uh, I'm pretty handy on the grill. And then one of the other guys, that, whose name I don't know, says, yeah, uh, "Kurt Cobain." That's yeah, yes, that one. He says, uh, "You like your meat charred and dry, right, guys?" Which I didn't. I don't know if they were calling him like gay or that he likes black penis. I don't. I, didn't, I don't get it charred. either. I'm confused. I, Wouldn't yeah, you say so that was, juicy and thick? You like your meat juicy and thick. No, he said charred and dry. And then he's like, right, guys? And no one reacts. So I'm like, all right. I paused it. And I was like, where were they going with this joke? And trying to figure out where, where the funny is. But uh, yeah, it just, it doesn't look as, as terrible as I thought it would look. But the writing, uh, it seems like it's trying to be edgy, but in like 20, 2008, 2010-ish, you know? Sure, but that, like, that's what everybody who exists in in the mainstream and is trying to do anything comedic, like that's it, that's their only move really at this point because everybody's afraid they're going to lose money or lose influence. Right. So, but you you said you were only five minutes in. Is that an exaggeration, or are you really only five minutes in? I am. Let me tell you, ten minutes twenty six seconds in. All right. Oh, I I, well, that, that's not that long of a movie, but I still think that's a little too because we might come back here next week and you might be like, <laughs> I spoke way too soon. That actually turned out to be a huge piece of shit. Now, I saw yeah. some special effects in the trailer that looked very paranormal hunters or, or, or one of those discovery oh. shows where they're ghost hunting and the big mouth happens. Oh. You know, whenever paranormal like acti- we talked about this grave encounters, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. About. Grave encounters with the bad actors. And it's like, oh, they're supposed to be reacting like they're scared, but they're not good actors. So we just. Right. It looked a lot like that from the trailer that I was forced to watch on a YouTube ad. I've been in YouTube holes. Uh, the past 72 hours watching a lot of like, oh, this person uploaded this and then they murdered their mother. 
<laughs> a lot of those videos. I'm tr- currently tracking a uh, serial killer from 4chan. It's probably a hoax. It's probably just a big old hoax. But it's I'm captivated by so it. Just, so. just internet killers? Because I have a, a couple of channels that I follow where it's just like, oh, there's this guy from some little village in England that raped a hundred boys and killed all of their mothers. And it's like, who the, what the fuck was this yes. guy? I never heard of him. Yeah, a lot That's of that. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm most compelled by the, the internet angle of it because that has yeah. been a blind spot for me is people uploading like what they've done to 4chan yeah. or have a reddit account but there's so much bullshit mixed into there people are like mm-hmm. there's this photo of this here you can google this right now type in dead girl dead asian girl in google um xxx afterwards <laughs> um no there's uh there's some photo that was on like reddit or something of just an asian girl in japan it looked like in the snow staring and people have talked oh. themselves into a frenzy that she's actually dead in the photo and no one can find any information on her. It's a lot of spooky, creepy pasta uh, oriented content that's in the mix there. Uh, it's none of these. These are all just actual, no. don't pull up actual <laughs> photos of dead women here. These are actually just uh, very uh, low tier Asian women. Oh, Elisa yeah. Lam. That's a good one. That's a good one, yeah. My cousin. What do you think uh, happened to Elisa Lamb? You think she just went for a swim in that that tank? Yeah, that's weird. No, I, I'm pretty sure that she was. Well, I'm not pretty sure, but she's really drugged. She's probably on something. To be staying in that fucking hotel, like you have to know where you're staying. And uh, I don't know. She looks like she was going through something, either a psychotic or you know drug induced. Mm-hmm. In those last videos of her when she's in the elevator, yeah, freaking out, paranoid. Yeah. Hey, have you ever looked at her Tumblr account? No. What she has it? a Tumblr account still up too. They didn't take it down. Uh, it's pretty normal, but she's got some weird posts. I think she was a mentally ill woman who was, again, probably drugged, and that seems to be the the breaking point that breaks the yeah. the the psyche and they lose track of reality. But it's interesting because that tank. I mean, this is the whole thing behind the case. That tank was supposed to be you know, screwed in. So you, there's no way to do that. And somebody, and this is yeah. a little weird uh, spot in the case where people uh, don't know about this. Somebody had written um, something like whore or cunt on top of the lid of the, the tank that she was in. Maybe it's related. Maybe it's not. Who knows? Maybe. Was it in Chinese? <laughs> yeah, she thought it was for her. She, she, was like, <laughs> she climbed in. Um, she fell bad and killed herself. Uh <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of those cases like that where you, you can't really tell if it's just drugs or, or I don't know. I don't really believe – nothing supernatural has ever happened to me, so I don't really believe in that shit. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I, I have been guilty of um, going into a 2 a.m. hole of – and this is our 10 haven't we all been videos in a, of this week. Haven't we all been in a 2 a.m. hole? Well yeah. – uh, I had a paranormal ex- ex- uh, experience, excuse me, paranormal activity, paranormal experience when I was 10 years old. But anytime right. I tell this story, nobody ever believes it. So I'm not even going to tell it on the air, but it's mm-hmm. the truth, you know, or, or is this cut, when you went ahead. to the, you went to the movie theater and you were going to watch the <laughs> yeah. <Green> Catcher. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a spooky a woman just floated up to me <laughs> and tried seducing the nine-year-old me. That's right. Mm-hmm. 
but luckily, you know, I was wearing a dream catcher necklace at that time. It captured her demonic spirit. It protected yeah. me. I was able to go see uh, Johnny English in peace that night. Yeah. That's when you when you thought you had uh, native roots. So right. You went through your, your whole native phase. I used to... What I used to do is I used to go out, uh, you know, outside and just rub some dirt all over my face to get a natural brownish hue, so people would mistake yeah. me for Native American, <laughs> for a Portuguese man, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> mainly Portuguese man for the neighborhood. <laughs> you know, speaking of internet culture and activity, we're talking about good time tonight. This is the second time I've yeah. covered this film on this show i did do a video episode way back in the day it was hardly it was more like the show i'm doing currently after dark niche influential films of 20th century it was me just sitting and talking over my my camera um it was only a 20 minute episode i haven't done a proper podcast on good time safety brothers 2017 hit before but uh the little chord that i'm trying to use to tie these two things together is the fact that pepe is featured in good time and pepe is the the acid tap that the Buddy Duress character uh, takes his character's Ray in the film. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll we'll get into that a little bit. I won't tell tales out of school, but uh, I learned quite a bit about the making of Good Time, and um, you know, certainly things that influenced the story structure that would then become reality shortly after the film. Um, are we are we going to learn how you got involved with? body duress in this episode i think i've said that before haven't i maybe not i don't know on if the it's, show yeah i don't think we, you did on the show yeah so i i uh i uh initially uh you know i got someone to try to stalk buddy duress try to well internet stalk buddy to figure out his real name because nobody is just born buddy duress unfortunately right. um and uh, that did not work out so then i was like well wait a minute i know buddy's in prison see here's what happened Back in 2019, I wrote the wait, script wait, to... Wait, wait, yes. before you start over your buddy, the rest, sorry. Uh, Surfshark VPN uh, slash low... What is it? It's surfshark.deal slash low res if you want to get... See, they might have revoked the link. I haven't checked out any of the affiliate <laughs> shit since they emailed me. I didn't even respond to it. I was just very passive aggressive so i i mean i was like why do i even need to bother with this but i guess i'll start plugging it patreon.com slash low res you guys have signed up uh quite a bit uh, quite a bit new uh new new patrons here over the past two months thanks to the robert pattinson batman uh which have you have your feelings about that batman movie changed at all since we talked about it i'm sure they will once they watch it again but until then not really i've read some stuff that kind of goes against what i thought uh which kind of makes sense but i don't know i i, I it's one of those things that uh like you said on, on that episode that uh you're looking forward to watching it on hbo max so that you can catch things that you probably missed mm. uh and uh because it was the first movie i'd seen in theaters in like what three years almost uh i think you said uh, what it was venom that you last caught in yeah something like that yeah like a long fucking time ago so not really no i feel like i I was very uh, clear what I thought of it in that episode, and I, I, I haven't changed my mind yet. I might when I watch it again, but uh, you guys get it next month, right? I don't know when we're going to get it because of 
unless you go to unless I go to search shark VPN slash lowers. Yes, you do that. Borrow <laughs> my HBO Max account, and then you can watch the Batman this April. It'll yeah. be an exciting time. Uh, yeah. My my opinion on it has uh, shifted very slightly in that I am feeling less generous toward that last 35 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. I, I initially rated it right out of the theater as like a good four-star out of five movie. Yeah. And now I'm more in the three-and-a-half camp, you know, which is about the same level as Ted K and uh, Mini Mata. With, Ted, yes, Ted 2, Ted K. <laughs> Uh, Ted, yes, uh, and uh, Mini Model, which is the um, the Johnny Depp Johnny film, Depp. which was uh, kind of the same level of quality as Ted K, where it seemed like they had an interesting cinematographer. Uh, whoever was shooting it had a very good eye for visuals, but the content of, of the movie itself was just kind of whatever, yeah. you know? Um, so anyway, yeah, the Batman, uh, more or less just a, a big budget, same story situation is those two things where uh, it looks gorgeous. The sound is amazing. Uh, the performances are, are mainly good, but I don't know if it is worth the sum of its parts. I'm still trying to figure that out. So, right. uh, yes, yeah, so go to patreon.com slash lowers. You're going to get exclusive episodes and not have to wait a month and a half for brand new episodes to come out. Or just if I'm feeling, uh, you know, fast and loose with wanting to release the videos that we do here on YouTube, which sometimes I'll throw that up. You might not see that in the Libsyn feed or the iTunes feed, whatever, however you listen to the show uh, for quite some time. So we're talking about Good Time Tonight, the Safdie Brothers 2017 film. I remember watching this movie. I love this movie. And I love this movie because of the Buddy Duress character. I thought it was, I thought it was full of great... Uh, kinetic energy and there's the video i did on good time back in 2018 or 29 early 2019 where i think i said this guy buddy duress steals the whole movie i could watch a hundred movies with buddy duress in it and so i wrote a script in 2019 from mass state lottery when it was still called hobgoblin and i wrote a very small part for buddy duress now i finished the script i sent it to you guys and then i find out well buddy duress uh, he's actually retired from acting for three years, up to five to ten years. He's retired from acting. He's on vacation. And for anyone who is not familiar, Buddy DeRess got busted robbing a bank. He robbed a bank in Astoria. Like so, in... Well, here, like here's in... what's interesting. So a lot of people have gone... And said to him afterward, myself include. I actually, I don't think I said this to him, but uh, you know, you listen to any interview with Buddy Duress where you know he's in Rikers or he's in whatever pr- prison facility that they moved him to. Everybody's go-to line is, "Oh, you know that that's the same thing that happened in the movie. That's pretty crazy, right?" And he, well, here's where they got a lot of the ideas from. Good time is from his prison journals that he wrote when he was in Rikers before the movie. So they okay. took what he said for, for mm-hmm. ideas or for plans. They put it in the movie, and then he went through with the plans and ideas after the movie came out. What's interesting is what that the conclusion. Do we have black man? <laughs> I, I don't know. I have okay. no. I, I don't. I don't think he was when he was busted. But maybe that was some idea. I know that other bank robbers were caught doing that. So right. who knows? Um, 
swollen black man face. <laughs> <laughs> That's what those fucking. You can get are. it on eBay for a good three hundred bucks now. That's not even that good compared to what they got currently. Yeah. Um, so it, that unfolds, but Buddy Duress robs this bank. It's in a similar fashion. He slides him a note. It's an unarmed robbery, and then they call the police. He's running from the police. He tries to escape via the subway, but the subway is elevated. It's above ground. And he winds up falling about four stories. And they catch him, and he's in a coma for a couple of days. So it's almost it's it's a little bit of the beginning of Good Time, where you have the bank robbery, but it's also the end of Good Time, where he's falling, trying yeah. to escape the police. Interesting stuff. I, I, when we were working with Buddy Duress, and we were doing um, you know, some additional dialogue uh, when he was over my apartment, he was just... Uh, sharing tons of prison stories about having to deal with the bloods and the crips and all these gangs in, in Rikers and just really interesting guy, buddy Duraz. So anyway, to what I was saying before, I wrote the script. Then I realized he was locked up. I was like, Oh fuck. Well, it's an unarmed robbery. It can't be that long. Right. Well, uh, eventually. What would that be? If you just, if you just go towards someone and just like, Hey, Give me what you got without showing a weapon. And that's, is that it? That you you pass somebody a note. His note apparently said, mom sick, need money. Didn't the guy, the director of Black Panther, uh, something <laughs> oh, wasn't that? It? No, no, he didn't do it. They said he did it. They went to his home. No, she called the cops. The bank teller called the cops because he passed her a note saying, that he wanted to uh Hi, withdraw. I'm Ryan Coogler. I need yes. five thousand dollars. Well no. Well he was wearing a mask, he went to the bank and he wrote a note, I don't know why, saying that he wanted to withdraw twelve thousand dollars off his checking account, but on a note. And she saw the note and she was like, Oh, this is suspicious. So she called the cops and then oh that's Ryan Coogler, or whatever his oh. name is. <laughs> yeah. Wow. He's like, why are you why are you doing shady shit? Just you know, who cares? He's probably on drugs. I saw someone was like, yeah. Well, he's got a speech impediment. It's like, you, you don't go to a bank and pass a note to the teller. That's just common no. sense. Second, no. you know, it doesn't matter. Also, he probably has enough money in his bank account where he doesn't even have to go to the cashier, just go to the manager or whatever and sit with them in their little office like you don't have to do this shady you know my face is covered with a mask so i'm gonna give you a fucking note because i have a lisp that makes no sense but anyway <laughs> but yeah. yeah i don't i don't understand it's fucking it's similar but yeah. buddies what is he italian what is he like buddies Austrian? italian and greek oh yeah yeah he looks yeah Yes. So uh, I, I, I eventually it occurred to me, I was like, well, you know, this this whole thing didn't work out where I had someone trying to look into his real identity. Here's what I learned. Well, I'm not even going to say I'm not going to dox a guy on the show. Why would you? No, I no. yeah, I don't know. He, it's whatever. But I, I figured out what his first name was. And then eventually I did come across his, his real name and I decided to write him from prison. And uh, we exchanged correspondence a couple of times. and I was like, well. You know, because they give you iPads in, in American prison here. That's how good it's got. Rikers? Was he in Rikers? Uh, not at Rikers. He was in some sort of, um, I, they upgraded him to, uh, you know, an upstate New York facility. That was a, certainly a step up from Rikers. But you got iPads in there. I think you could use computers every so often. 
and I wound up writing him. I sent him the trailer to Mass State Lottery, which we had uh, already put out at that point. This was around summertime, uh, not long after we did the fundraiser for the movie, which was successful. And uh, he was in from the moment of, of watching that. And, uh, you know, there was a gap in correspondence around Halloween. He told me he was going to be out around New Year's. And then I thought he ghosted my ass because he was like, well, now I'm out of prison, whatever. I'm going to get some offers. And I got a text out of the blue. It was like, hey, it's Buddy. I'm out. Let's talk. And it was just like, oh, what a nice surprise for the new year. We're off to a good right. start. Uh, so, yeah, I got to uh, learn a bit about, uh, you know, a lot of the behind the scenes stuff on, on Good Time and heaven knows what. Uh, and I was able to even speak to Josh Safdie for a short period of time about the film Mass State Lottery that we have coming out this year and a couple of other things. Uh, he gave me a history lesson on the on the lottery and Don King's involvement in trying to protect black people from the lottery. That was uh, educational. We what have black your... people in our movie, by the way, just in case. You got some, there's two. There's we got one, two and a half. Two and a half, half black. Well, hold on. We got, we got two halves, which is a whole. And we got Kenny. <laughs> right. we got so one. we got two. Yeah. And uh, six whites, so pretty good rachel i would say especially it's a diverse look it's a diverse cast we have a uh uh asian mexican um got a guy from estonia that's that's a that's a country that's poor that's good (laughs) we have uh we have kenny's from haiti right haitian and kenny that's yeah um that's that's it (laughs) good job uh jerry's swedish is Jerry Which Swedish? Is, is that the white half? Jensen, isn't that Swedish? Yeah, I think so. Jensen sounds Swedish or, or Norwegian. You're right, it kind of does. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so so he's a black Swedish. That's that's a that's a, a weird one. It's very midsummer. You know? Yeah, maybe that's why he's angry all the time. Maybe I don't know. Uh, then, what 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 is your what is your general sentiment about the the Safdie brothers? When did you I'm learn the, about the Safties? Uh, because of you guys. I don't think I would have ever known their movies if it wasn't for you guys talking about them. Well, uh, it, it seemed like during this time of 2014 to 2017, there were a lot of brother duos trying to make it. You know, you had the Duffer brothers. You had the, the Safdie brothers. You had the Russo yeah. brothers. You had the brothers that did Kamiko the Treasure Hunter, who they just disappeared entirely. I remember they presented Thoska the Thoska sisters. As, you got the Thoskas, remember? That was 2009, 2009, 2011. You got the Duplass brothers. They were doing things, right? Yeah. Around what are they time? doing now? They did 50 know. movies about what it's like to be cucked, and then they disappeared. <laughs> there were 50 movies about them sitting on a couch complaining to each other uh, in some lodge in, I don't know, Connecticut. Um, I don't know, HBO shows. Right, they did uh, having sex it? with gross women togetherness. That's, I think that was the right. show, and that was also about being cucked. It's Mark Duplass being cucked in fucking everything he's ever written. <laughs> Gee, I wonder what his life is like. Yeah, yep. <laughs> I mean, I guess they made it a business, so good for them. You got to respect yeah. that, right? No, you don't. As a matter of fact, no. I, no. Um, so Safety Brothers. Safety Brothers yeah. went to Boston College. They're from mm-hmm. New York, of course. 
And they uh, released their first film, Daddy Long Legs, I think, in the early half of the last decade. I feel like that was 2010 or so, 2011. Produced by, maybe maybe produced by Casey Neistat? Or was that The Pleasures of Being Robbed, which you gave a very negative review to on Letterboxd? Yeah, it was very bored by it. Yeah, it was not good. Yeah. It was an early film. It was an early boring film. It was an early, shit, we need to fill this out to a, a full feature length. What are we going to do? That's how that movie felt, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they put out the documentary, which I think it was a Showtime produced documentary, uh, Lenny Cook, which was a a pretty good sports documentary about a failed basketball star. And then the next movie that they wound up doing, if I'm not forgetting any, is Heaven Knows What. And Heaven's, Heaven Knows What is kind of like, uh, you know, I've always made the point on this show that the the director's first film, if you think about it, like any real auteur, their first film, or what's generally considered or f- like has the vibe of a first film, is usually their third or fourth film. So with Kubrick, it's The Killing, right? With Scorsese, you could you could make a couple of different arguments for that one, but I think a lot of people look to uh, Mean Streets as that that first real Scorsese film. You have uh, yeah. Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore and... Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, what was the one that preceded that? He's got a he, he had a couple, but uh, the other's not coming to mind at the moment. But that has like the aesthetic that we recognize him for, and so heaven knows what is not quite that. It's getting close to that. They're starting to develop something. They're they're pulling themselves out of the uh, very urban indie gritty texture that they developed in the early half of their careers when they're just starting out and probably filming things with DSLRs and, and going run and gun. And then Good Time is, spiritually anyway, kind of their their first stab. You figured out the title? Yeah. Uh, well, Mean Streets came out in 73. Uh, Alleys Doesn't Live Here Anymore was 74. So before oh, okay. Mean Streets, you got Boxcar Bertha. Have you That's... seen Boxcar? It's pretty funny. No. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. But like this Aula woman, it's pretty, it's, it's, it's all right. And then before that, it was Who's That Knocking at My Door? That was his first full, full length. I know nothing about that one. <clears throat> was that the one with, uh, with Kaitel trying yeah. not to leave it's his just, girlfriend who, who was raped? It's or just something? A, young, a young man can't accept the girl he likes because of her bitter past. It's a black, black and white with Kaitel and Zina Bethune. On Colette, um, I don't know. Never seen it, but yeah, that sounds sounds like what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, good time is really the beginning of their 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 new texture period, which is carried on with uncut gems. And now we're just kind of seeing what the next move is from them. They seem to be interested in producing a lot of hip hop adjacent projects, like that Chillin' Island show on HBO, which. Uh, is not my cup of tea. Feels very. We're trying to do fishing with John, but urban. You haven't seen this? Even, no. Stephen Wright? Oh, not writer. He's the little yaddy. Ezra, you thought Killer Mike? What is this thing? It's just a bunch of like people hanging outdoors, and then they throw rappers in the mix. Didn't uh, Barrett Kreischer do that in the <laughs> what's that show for Netflix? The Cottage. Is that what that is? Well, that that was no, scripted, just, wasn't it? I don't know. I haven't seen. I, I didn't. I didn't. I haven't seen any of it. I just know that there's like famous people, and he was in an island or 
a cottage or something. Uh, yeah, no, I don't, I don't, never heard of this Chilean Island thing. Uh, the, there's a TV series here in, in pre-production by Josh Safdie called the. Uh, Is that the Nathan the Fielder uh, show that they've got? Yes, with Emma Stone. Mm-hmm. What is that about? I have no idea. I have no clue. I haven't looked too much into that. Huh. It's just uh, the genre-bending scripted comedy that explores how an alleged curse disturbs the relationship of a newly married couple as they try to conceive a child while co-starring on their problematic new HGTV show. Sounds quirky. Um, a Nathan Fielder-ish, so that could be good. Would you like Nathan for you? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was good when it came out. I don't know how how it holds up, but I remember liking it a lot when it came out. It's very different. Yeah, I suspect yeah. that the reason why they haven't had a movie out is because Benny Safdie's getting booked in a bunch of different movies now as an actor. Because he's on the uh, he was in Licorice Pizza. Now he's going to be on that Obi Wan TV show in some role. Uh, is he, he, the, is he the one that is he the one that plays the autistic guy here? Mm-hmm. The swollen face. Okay, is that what the you, one you talk to on the phone? Or no, 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 no. I, I talked to Josh. Area one. Okay. <laughs> yes. <yeah. laughs> um, right. No, I, I haven't uh, spoken to Benny Safty before. Uh, Anthony Cisco is telling me his experience with him at some film festival, and how uh, his compliments were brushed off quickly and disregarded. Of course, of course. Do you have a, a bearded? 45 year old man coming to tell you that you're very good yes. <laughs> what is thanks thanks sir yeah no you should offer to buy that person a drink and meet, buy them dinner spend yeah. a good 280 dollar meal on them that's what you should do no just go and do an impression of his character in this movie where he's just you know uh I don't know if he's... I've never seen any interviews of him or anything outside of this character. I think that this is the only time I've seen him on film. Um, but he was very good, at, very natural at, at playing this mentally handicapped character. I don't know if he's like that in real life, but if not, then he's very good. He's very... Uh, what's the... Anthony... What's that Italian actor that's very good at playing like a, re- a retard? Uh, um, uh, oh, God. You know, An Italian actor you know, who's good at playing a it, retard. You know who I'm talking about. Um, Al Pacino. Well, yes, but uh, hold on. Uh, Ben Foster. Ben Foster. He's not Italian. You think about uh, Choi Min Sik? Is that Korean? Anyway, yeah. Sean Penn is the actor you're thinking of. Yes. He. Anyway, Benny Safdie was a good card in this movie. He was, very, <laughs> he was very convincing. I felt bad for this character at times. You know, it's like I, I wonder if it's actually like that. He convinced me that you know he, yeah, he sounded like his, his tongue was half cut. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> just yeah. very <laughs> yeah. doing kind of like deaf person voice a little bit. Yeah. What I learned uh, was that behind the scenes, in order to like warm up as the character and get comfortable being that character, especially out in public, because they would shoot. <laughs> A lot of their scenes. Punch him in the um, head. <laughs> yeah, that's what. <laughs> Punch in the head five times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, let's go. <laughs> the way that they shoot a lot of their exteriors is with a long lens and from afar. So you'll right. have like Robert Pattinson dragging him down the street or something, and they might be a football, you know, field away from wherever they're shooting, 
and everybody's mic'd up with labs and all that. Uh, so what they would do is they would go into like a Dunkin' Donuts and he would just be the character as he orders his Dunkin' Donuts sandwich and coffee. And Robert Pattinson would like hurry him up or something and they would just do that repeatedly as just just warm up, you know, character warm up. Is that in the special features of the Blu-ray or anything like that? Because I feel like that would be very funny to watch. I think that would get them in trouble if they if that was included on any disc. Mm. But Fair enough. Um, yeah, I wish it was like 2003, where they could have released that, and then it's fine. But yeah, I don't, I don't think that would go go well with like uncensored them being, you know, real. I guess mm-hmm. on video. Yeah, you're right. Well, people have always oh, been. Awesome. I mean, you're right that the I, the consequence would be different now than it would mm-hmm. be in 2003. But if you think about it, the the, the topic of uh, mental retardation has always been a sensitive subject with. Uh, these groups, because think about the ringer and the whole process that movie went through because it was insensitive uh, where they tried to pull it. And then I think it got a very limited release through the Fox selects uh, line that they would, would do or whatever it was. It was whatever their independent film line was. It did not wind up. I feel like getting a proper release like it would have. Well, but it was also like a bad movie. <laughs> yes, but that's, so that's unrelated. <laughs> Because I am Sam didn't get the same treatment, and that was a a bad performance of a retarded. Man. <laughs> that was really offensive. If I, if I was a retarded man and was aware of my retardation, that would have been a very offensive performance. I feel like mm. because uh, Sean Penn looks like he's got more than one illness. <laughs> it's just like oh, right, so he's got Down syndrome, and then his hand is kind of like stuck in a position, and then he's just yeah. So I don't know. If it was a drama, maybe about about a man <laughs> sneaking into the Special Olympics, <laughs> he's the he's the good guy. Yeah, that version may have been better. I would have preferred Sean Penn playing that role in The Ringer. That could have yeah. been good. Uh, yeah, I mean, but anyway, this 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 movie, good time. Yeah. Uh, it it was their first stab at doing something with like a legitimate budget, and yeah. they had gotten in touch with Robert Pattinson who saw heaven knows what emailed them and said, whatever you guys want to do, we're, we're, I'm in hundred percent. And Josh Safdie emails back. Sure. Let's meet up next week. And I, to my recollection, they just cobbled together the idea for good time in that week. And they were like, all right, well, what, what matters more here is getting Robert Pattinson, right? Everything else comes second. And so it was very on the fly. They wound up uh, writing the script with Ronald Bronstein. Have you ever seen his movie Frownland? No. It's all right. It's very mumblecore. It's very Duplass Brothers-y. Uh, uh, you know, with your wife sleeping in front of your very <laughs> eyes with another man. Um, it's decent. It was on Criterion Channel for a while. Yeah, no. Not for me at all. He deals with somebody, I think, who's mentally ill in that movie and like yells at him or beats him or something. Beats him in a kitchen. That's I. That, I might be misremembering, but that's what I what I have in my head right now. That movie, comedy, right? Kind of. I mean, right. eh. so they they do this film and it makes a significant impact. Makes quite a splash. It is the first film to bring back that old New York feeling, but inject modern sensibility into it. That was my uh, general impression uh, when I first watched a 
an illegal copy that had leaked via Pirate Bay back in 2017 or so. And I really enjoyed the movie for the most part. Uh, do you buy Robert Pattinson as this character of Connie? Yeah. Um, I feel like he's he's creepy when needed to be. Not a, not a very likable character, really. He just wants to uh, do what's best for his um, special brother, I guess. Uh, but there's nothing <clears throat> nothing really that changes about him or anything. It's just he's, he's pretty much the same creep that he is at the beginning uh, that he is when he gets caught at the end. But I, I just... I, 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 I'm, I'm very familiar with his career, and I just feel like he's he's very good whenever he plays any of these weird kind of... Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? In Introverted characters that that uh, are like holding on to a lot but it a lot of it is internal and they don't really express a lot of it outwards but you can tell that they're dealing with a lot of internal shit i feel like he's very good at playing the, that type of character and and that's what this character is really because he doesn't really lash lash out at anyone or doesn't really become violent or physical towards anyone because he's like a skinny guy right so a lot of it is internal a lot of what the character goes through is just internal, and uh, and I feel like he was like a, a. I mean, the fact that we were able to get it was great because he drives the movie forward. Even if uh, I feel like the ending is kind of underwhelming and very quick, the way everything just resolves itself. Yeah. When I first watched it, I was kind of like, "Damn, that did end quick," and it was unsatisfying, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and. I think over repeat viewings, you, you kind of just forget that or maybe you, you grow a tolerance to that and you're just more prepared for where it's going to you know hit the break. But it does yeah. feel kind of rushed mm-hmm. uh, where it's just like you, you catch a glimpse of him from uh, the apartment being brought down to the concrete and then we just essentially cut to him in the back of the cop car and we see Ray f- fall from the, the uh, balcony. Uh, it's yeah. not really the most climactic ending that they could have won, especially compared to and uncut gems ends pretty abruptly as well, but that at least feels much more final. Yeah. Although I, I would say it maybe it does suffer in a similar way where it's like, as soon as, you know, the, the pressure valve of the situation is released, then it's just, it was like a hard cut to the very end uh, right. with that character being uh, executed. So, with what is it like time. 20 minutes you think on uncut gems yeah i well if we consider the conclusion of good time once they get to that apartment and they're just hiding out there for a little bit and wait for the money to come through uh and then we consider the ending of uncut gems when he uh puts arno and the uh oh god keith williams character what is his name uh whoever the heavy character in that film is i forget what it, what his character name is when they're locked up and the entire basketball game unfolds. That would be the, the what I would consider the conclusion of the film. Right. Um, and then Howard gets executed. Uh, we can only assume that Julia Fox's character runs off with the money and lives a happy life with that, what Mickey Rourke would look like without all the plastic surgery. Um, yeah. But, wait, I mean, which yeah. of these films do you prefer? I feel like more things happen in Uncut Gems. Uh, this one feels um, 
like if if you don't really have a connection when it comes to the main character and his dumb brother um it's kind of just quick and it happens and then you just it's very disconnected uh, especially because at the end you see the what is it benny that's his name right benny yeah. safety character um kind of confused at being at this exercise where he's with a bunch of other mentally handicapped people uh so it's it's kind of underwhelming i feel like the fact that um howard gets killed and like pretty much gets what he's what you expect for most of the movie really like he does a lot of really stupid shit that you expect him to get caught for and then at the end it's even though you know you don't you don't get your your hero or the main character of the story winning or whatever i feel like the ending is fitting for the world that he's in uh the, the, this good time one um where patterson just gets caught and uh and, and that's it uh, i don't know it feels like a little more underwhelming than than uh the stakes the the size of the stakes on this other movie where you know he's He's uh, keeping these two gangsters, I guess, uh, kidnapped until the game ends or whatever. Makes more sense than just, you know, we've been following this character for an hour and a half, hour 50 maybe, and then he just gets caught by the cops and and that's it. End of the movie, you know. So I, li- I like the way that the Anka Gems ending was handled a little better. Yeah, even though I, I might have liked the... Um, rest of good time better than Anka Gems. I don't know. I don't know how that works. I like the ending. No, better, you just you know, contradicted guess, yourself. Yeah. So I, 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 which yeah. is a more satisfying film in your opinion? Anka Gems, definitely. Because mm. of the ending. Just because of how it ends. Like, I feel like that, I hated the Adam Sandler character. So you, I kind of wanted him to get it from like half an hour in. Right. Uh, but the way he got it at the end where you're expecting that, okay, so he won, everything's good, we got the money, everything's fine. And then it's like a very The Wire-ish death of, I mean, of course, this would happen in real life. Like, they don't give a fuck. Like, this is not a ha- movie happy ending of, uh, you know, not real life consequences. Um, good time. I feel like I enjoyed most of it because of uh, Pattinson's performance and what was happening there was a little bit more interesting than, you know, a Jewish man that was kind of cheating on his wife and he's just getting into deeper holes every time he's on screen and then he gets killed. Um, so the, the right until the end, I just, I just kind of wish that good time had a more satisfying ending, I guess is what I'm saying that it kind of felt like it just ended abruptly and, well, yeah, he he got caught, and and that's it. And the forty minutes that we spent with him running away from the cops was for nothing, because you know it's, I guess, too realistic. Because it makes sense that he was caught that way, but just kind of unsatisfying when it comes to. Mm. I don't know. I think the I think the whole of Good Time, even with the uh, very fast ending, is a much. I mean, not not to slight Uncut Gems. I think Uncut Gems is a, is a great film. I, yep. I think Good Time is a much more ener- energetic and entertaining film on the whole, and I really enjoy how they deliver you two very different uh, buddy style elements, where you have him and his brother at the beginning, and you get comfortable with that, 
and you go through the bank robbery and you're thinking, all right, well, this is what the, the movie's going to be. I'm ready for these two to be on the run for the entire feature. Uh, and then they strip that character away from you. And I remember thinking, uh, when, when the uh, Ray character is introduced, I was like, I hate when they do that. I hate when you mm-hmm. get comfortable with it's these two, yeah. and then you you bait and switch. Maybe attention away for a more interesting character. Than the you two are jeopardizing yeah. the entire yeah. flow of the movie and the vibe of the movie by trying to do something different in the second half. Mm-hmm. And they don't do something different in the second half necessarily, but it does become a, a different film and maybe a better yeah. film. Um, oh, I, I, it's tough to say because I think the the tonal vibe there is very different, where you have the Connie character who is looking out for his brother and has this sort of nurturing nature with him in spite of his fuck ups. Um, and almost is like ashamed of the fact that he's retarded because he, he scolds him in the beginning as he's like forcing him out of the, uh, you know, the therapist's office. Um, and he's like, Oh, what you think you're that? Cause there's some dude like drooling all over himself in the hallway. Uh, and then you get him dealing with the Ray character. Who's just kind of a down on his luck loser, who gets sprung from the hospital uh, and I guess uh, a potential second prison sentence by accident uh, after, you know, Pattinson's done hooking up with some underage black girl in the movie. He's really into that chick uh, for a very short period of time and using her and her Creole mother who looks like she's got some yeah. voodoo spells probably voodoo. somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she looks like a Scooby-Doo villain. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but... Okay, so is this down to if Buddy Duress wasn't on Uncut Gems, the movie would have been better? Because mm. it sounds like what you're adding here that you like better on Good Time was when the movie went from caring about Pattinson and his dumb brother to, oh, we have a a new, more interesting character than anything that they've shown us from now uh I guess back into the, the rest of the movie. And now we're going to focus on this other character who's going to tell a better story than what we've been told. But then at the end, he just, what, falls off the building? Yeah, he fucks right. Up. He, he falls yeah. off the building. Well, I, I, I think the, the most fun scene in the, the film is Ray's story in the back of the car where they give you the little montage of his, his existence and why he got locked up mm-hmm. and how he got away. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a very amusing uh, uh, chain of events that we're we're given just as a quick, how do you do to this character? But how much do you think that affects the main story, though? Because it does feel feel like you're adding an extra story in the movie that uh, it doesn't... Like what what the body duress character says doesn't really affect the main story at all. Mm -hmm. We're just getting into a different story. We're being told a different and debatable better story than the main story of the movie. Right. How, how much does that affect the actual main story of the movie though? Because it feels like they're just telling the story on a flashback and yeah, it's, it's entertaining and he's a more interesting character than the Patterson, which I think is a, a problem because he's, he's a main guy. Right. But then I don't feel like it does anything to move the story forward or does anything to help or affect the Patterson character at all, other than, well, now I'm aware of his story, you know? So it, it doesn't really do anything to move the movie forward. It's more of like a patch of like, 
I don't know what else to do with this Patterson character. He's kind of kind of uh, a whatever, uh, no name, no nothing, no history, no anything character. So let's just grab this other character that's more interesting. We were able to find a very charismatic actor that is able to pull this story uh, or performance uh, this story. But I don't know how much that moves the, the main story forward other than we're doing the Black Friday in Watchmen type of thing. You know what I mean? Right. Well, I, I mean, I, I think it, it's not necessarily uh, the goal of it is not to move Connie's story in a positive direction. It derails his entire mission because he fucked up. So now, I mean, you can make the argument that maybe there's a, uh, I guess, a more consistent film in there if you don't have that happen. But the entire movie is him trying to navigate a series of events that are out of his control. So it all fits. But then as soon as you do get introduced to that Ray character, you're hooking left into this is going toward failure. Uh, You know, there's a, a sequence that's cut from the film, and maybe they allude to it a little earlier on where the plan that Connie has in his head is he's going to rob this bank and he's going to run off to, it's like Oklahoma or some some very uh, you know low-rent state or city out, right. far outside of New York. He's just going to hole up there uh, with his brother. And that's going to be that. And then, obviously, that doesn't pan out. So the Ray character, what we get from him is, okay, well, now there's going to be you know, something that is introduced uh, within the story that can potentially get Connie back on track to get that. Um, but it's going to be a double or nothing situation because now his face is popping up on the news as a con, yeah. you know, escaped convict. Um, the Buddy Duress character, Ray, is also going to be in a lot of trouble, but you have this Sprite bottle of acid that they're looking to sell for a couple grand or something, and that should be enough to to seal the deal. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, yeah, you. I think that's a fair argument to make that maybe it does uh, ultimately distract from where we even think the, we're even, going. But even the even the acid is nothing to do with him. Like it's a mm-hmm. consequential thing that happens when they go to that amusement park, when they get uh, Haitian legend Bag- Baghdad, whatever his name Baghdad. is, Abdir. Baghdad, <laughs> yeah, Iraq. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. To be the guy that gets drugged, uh, or the security guy that gets drugged. So, even the you know the acid thing kind of falls on his lap, and he's like, "Well, now I'm gonna want more money for this thing that's not mine, or has anything to do with my story, just because we were here trying to get his." You know, so it's it's still a deviation into the body duress character's story. But at the end of the movie, that story, that deviation that we take into his story doesn't really affect anything other than they're in the same apartment. Right, but it it, it gives an ending to Connie's story. And I guess Ray's story by default because he, he's dead. But he has to get caught by some, some means. And he needs some sort of uh, obstacle that's going to be in the way. And... At first, it's finding the Sprite bottle in this amusement park, uh, right. which is kind of like Adventureland. And then it becomes, okay, well, you have to negotiate the right price with this this white rapper, oh, Necro. Right. Are you familiar with Necro at all? <laughs> no. I didn't know it was like a real yeah, white rapper. He's real. Uh, so they, oh. they, they, you know, they went from Necro to the weekend within one film. 
See, I, I this is yeah. what I, I, I makes me a little apprehensive <laughs> about where the Safety brothers are going. I think they might be blinded by the stardom of a lot of these yeah. people, and that's why we have things like Chillin' Island all of a sudden, where it's just like, who do I want to work? Who do I listen to on Spotify? Let's get them in the movie. <laughs> So you're not looking forward to the next movie starring Machine Gun Kelly? <laughs> God, he was just at Sundance or Cannes or Venice or one of these festivals and gave some really brain-dead speech about how he's the character. People, you know, approach him with preconceived notions, but when he plays the character, that's him for real. Yeah. Yeah. Talented. Talented guy. <laughs> Good for him, I guess. He's the... Uh... Fucking that fifty-year-old Megan Fox is good. good on you, kid. I guess how old is yeah. he? 22, He's 20, 23 27 or something. I don't know. Oh, He's uh, horrible. Um. Anyway, so uh, oh, so Barkhan Abdi could have had the best year of his life in twenty seventeen. He was in this movie. He was in Blade Runner twenty forty nine. They they as soon as he got that Oscar nomination, which is ludicrous, uh, they decided to throw all these huge projects at him and he took quite a few he was also on the hulu original series i think it's hulu castle rock for a season because they decided to make season two about yep. somali immigrants moving to stephen king's town in maine yeah he put that really what that is called yes his character his character is called abdi how how would that so, uh, you think that's because he f- would forget his character name? He just <laughs> you would think he was hanging out on the just, set that day. Just use my real name. Uh, he did uh, an episode of Family Guy. Um, um, Living large. Of the Pirates of Somalia. I don't know what that is. Extortion, which is a, a, a movie. Okay. <laughs> Starring. Hold on. Old fucking really old Danny Glover in 2017. Uh, Then he did Good Time. He did Blade Runner 2049. uh, A movie called The Extraordinary Journey of the Fakir, which looks Indian. And then Castle Rock and uh, the Blade Runner Black Lotus series that you spoke about a couple of episodes ago. I almost threw on episode one because they just added the whole series to HBO Max. I was like, the animation style is really horrendous. I can't believe they would yeah. ever put the Blade Runner name on it. But maybe there's something of worth here. And yeah. I put it on for like 30 seconds. And I was like, I can't do it. I can't. I can't you know muster it, the strength for this. You know what it feels like? It feels like when you're uh, searching for an old video game that you maybe like playing a long time ago. So you're like, let me go look for the cinematics of it. And it's just mm. Resident Evil 2 and you just watch the cinematics and yeah. that's it. Yeah, that's, I had that yeah. experience with Twisted Metal Black recently. I was, I remember it being like, oh yeah, this is like, this is like a movie, and then you throw it on, it's like, now this is like a children's cartoon. What the fuck was I thinking yeah. when I was 14, 13 years old? Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, well, good for Barkat Abdi, I guess, for being able to seize the moment and be in some good movies and some shit movies and making a little bit of money. I bet we could. Should we just reunite him and Buddy Duress and Matt? Should we just write a scene abruptly for Mass State Lottery that includes Barkat Abdi as Abdi the, the what was it? Abdi the Conqueror. What was his character on Castle Rock? Abdi uh, the Mailman. Abdi, Abdi Hal Hal Wadag. Yep, we'll have sure, to sure that, that. <laughs> It's all he just New shows England. up in the movie. 
-hmm. he's calling he's calling into a radio show and he's like hey hello my name is Abdi like it doesn't even sound like him at all (laughs) (laughs) hello I play him (laughs) this is his name (laughs) we'll give him the we'll tell him listen how much would it you don't even have to lend your voice we just want you we just want to say you're in the movie uh, just say, send a still. Just send a still of your face so we can put it on screen so people recognize who you are. Hans is gonna play you. Uh, <laughs> we could bring him so... out. Here's what we could do. Just like in, I think it's Suspiria where they get Udo Kier for a second, and then they dub over his voice. We could just have him show up to and just no, don't worry about microphones. That's very antiquated. No, uh, we'll uh, you know we have an AI for that. Yeah, and it's just your voice just uh, doing the dialogue more... for him. Just a more racist uh, impression than what his voice actually sounds <laughs> <Right>. like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why not? I mean, I'm, I'm sure Buddy will be thrilled. You could too. do a movie with him and with Eric Roberts and have both with Academy Award nominee above their name and sell that. That's what it could you know, be. You know that movie with uh, Richard Pryor and uh, and uh, what's his name from Willy Wonka? Where or one of them is deaf and the other one's blind, and they're here. No evil, see no. Yes, I do. Yes, yes, that's the one. That's the movie. One of them is Abdi, and uh, <laughs> the Eric Roberts plays the deaf guy. Why not? Ah, I think that's a winner. I think that's going to Tubi. <laughs> well, I you know I was gonna get into something else, uh, not even related to Good Time, and uh, you. You made me think of Black Lotus. You know, did you see that they're going to be doing a um, yet another attempt at a Blade Runner series, but done by Amazon? So they can't seem to get anything right with their shows. As bad as Black Lotus looks, knowing how they're the direction they're going with the Lord of the Rings show, and I, I have no fondness yeah. for Lord of the Rings. I can't uh, no. stand the trilogy at all. But the general sentiment around that seems to be, wow, this is a big old piece of shit. And that that that's been quite a few of their series to this point. How much? I mean, how much you spent a billion on this? It wouldn't surprise on me. The Lord of the Rings. It's uh, it's some significant amount of money, and it looks really bad and really cheap. As a matter of fact, four hundred and sixty-five million. That's the budget. Can you <laughs> for that trick? Uh, yeah, no. Um, uh, it seems like the, especially everything that's come out after where they're not even using Tolkien's story. It's just like a, it's like a fan fiction that someone wrote about characters that are kind of similar to the ones in that world, but not really. Mm-hmm. Here's $500 million. Go make five seasons of it or four seasons, whatever it is. Well, someone just... on production said, this is the story that Tolkien would have written if he were alive of today. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a good line yeah. to throw out there when you're raping someone's property, <laughs> when you're tearing apart the pages in the book that they wrote. Yeah, when the only thing that you have in common is that there's woods, <laughs> there's some moss on the ground. And, and it's not even real creepy. moss this time. It's not even real woods. They couldn't be bothered. They couldn't go to New Zealand this time, no. No. What was the budget on those movies? I guarantee you it's the same as whatever this series is, if not significantly lower. I mean, what could it be? 93 million was the first one. We're talking about 
2001, 93 right. Let's not get into the Hobbit movies. I'm sure everyone got a big pay increase <clears throat> for those. That's when they started yeah. to get uh, become susceptible to the blockbuster mold of let's put a billion dollars yeah. into one movie and make four times that. So according to the internet, every Lord of the Rings original trilogy movie was under 94 million. Mm. And then the Hobbit was 180, of course, uh, and it's which is also a piece. Everyone of shit. Got, and like and like you said, hey, got, everyone got paid because it looks like shit. Uh, the locations look like shit, so everything just definitely went to that contract and the actors, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, it's a good thing I don't like Lord of the Rings, but this Blade Runner show, I think they're going to mangle the... equally as as bad. What's the best Amazon original? series red oaks maybe that was um that was a show that that... i forget who who maybe david gordon green executive produced it i know he was behind a lot of the episodes and hal hartley and uh amy heckerling directed uh quite a few and they seem to divide that up between the three of them and somebody else didn't that last like two seasons now it was three or four seasons three seasons yeah okay what yeah. are they known for? That people like that Reacher show, but I mean, Picard, uh, Ma- Marvelous Miss Maisel, Picard. Well, no, no, that's a Picard is not Amazon show. Prime. Yeah, hold on. Uh, best. Okay, let's see what Pace Magazine thinks the best twenty-five original series are. Uh, Tales from the Loop. Haven't seen that. Mm-hmm. Undone. Not Fox Machina. That's animation. Sneaky Pete. Oh, Giovanni Ribisi. That's the Italian guy that plays a good retard that I was talking about. Giovanni Ribisi. Oh, yeah. Uh, Didn't he, he did a movie where it's like, I'm retarded, yeah. but I want to have sex yeah. and get married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's great in that. Uh, I don't remember what movie it is, but I remember he was a good retard. Uh, Alex Ryder, Red Oaks is number 19 here. Did you ever see they the some... uh, Zombieland show that they tried to do that failed? I think Mike White was on for the first episode. They didn't get any of the original cast back. This was before they did Double Tap. Nope. You got Homecoming better with Julia, Julia Roberts and Bobby Cannavale. That's cool. Modern Love with Anne Hathaway. Dev Patel. Too Old to One, Die Young. Is, that you might, gotta, you know what? I, I didn't even like Too Old to Die Young. That might be the best thing that they've done on that network, on that platform. It, what about the Tigno Taro show? Uh, One Mississippi. That was good. Uh, Man, <laughs> Man in the High Castle. That that looked interesting. Never saw it. People Maybe really, boy- people love that show and they love the... Um, the Boys. Well, the, yeah, people like The Boys now. There was, uh, what was it, Mozart in the City? Mozart in the Jungle. Mozart in the Jungle. Those two, uh, <laughs> yeah, Mozart in the Jungle. Uh, those two shows got nominated for many awards when they were originally released. And people seemed to like those. They did the uh, Jack Ryan television show have, with Krasinski, right? Have you ever seen Bosch? I don't even know how to pronounce that. Stephen Bosch. King loves that show, so I decided to avoid it. Number five. Apparently it's very good. According to Pace Magazine. Transparent. Uh, that was the, that was the other big oh, one for yeah, that, yeah. that platform. And they tried to reboot The Tick with uh, one of those guys from Shaun of the Dead who's a, a comedian in the UK. Oh, yeah. Uh, Peter something. Yeah, yeah that, the roommate. Yes. Uh, yeah. Fleabag. That's the All best right, that's, that's the one that people like this. now. Yeah. Yeah. This just sounds like a lot of money wasted on subpar shitty series correct really that's, a, that's the only one of 
The only one of those that sound that looks like he had like a real style what that was that mine in the high castle just because it was you know set into what if the Nazis won right like that's the whole gimmick of it so of mm-hmm. course they had to change a lot of of at least the visuals but everything else is just very mid is very yeah whatever like who cares and and uh after watching or after reading or going through that list i i didn't know i was going to say this but i feel like netflix has better original programming than amazon oh yeah i, I don't think it's and, uh, even close i i, I think yeah. that apple tv is absolutely bottom of the barrel nothing on apple tv that's ever premiered <laughs> on apple tv real. is real at all it's not yeah. even that it, it it doesn't look real because it doesn't look real it's just it's not real it's not a right. real show so just dis- disregard it it's all it's all just a hologram that's all it is do you have apple tv I have access to it. I don't pay for it. Do you know anyone that pays for Apple TV? Well, uh, that's how I got Apple TV. So uh, Amazon Prime, eh, you know, they they, they used to have, uh, I feel like they had some decent movies once upon a time. Or it's a mixed bag, but I I would feel like the uh, success rate is below 10% of those films. Netflix movies, worthless. Netflix TV shows nowadays, five percent rate it used yeah. to be it used to be they they always used to be hits when netflix premiered uh, but yeah. now no thank you yeah what's your favorite streaming platform hbo max yeah it's definitely HBO. i watch hbo max much more than any other uh platform without you, a doubt. because they have better quality old stuff oh yeah than anything else yeah. yeah, there's no question about it. They have Turner Classic. They're going to do this deal with Discovery, so it's going to get fucking jacked up to probably 20 bucks now. So I can watch Chip and Joanne Gaines fix up a home. <laughs> That'll be nice. Nice. Oh, yeah, so you boy. can watch uh, 300 Hitler documentaries that are going to be adding <laughs> about every soldier that was in the ovens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't really watch... Well, you know, I have my my screener website i don't really watch any like i have hbo max because my girlfriend watches hbo max and my that watches netflix so i pay for that because there's a lot of uh narco soaps in spanish my dad loves the shit out of that shit so uh but that's it i don't really i don't know i I prefer to be like an illegal (laughs) downloading pirate so that way i can just download whatever i want to watch instead of you know, having to spend 40 minutes trying to find something on Netflix and then, oh, I landed on this fucking movie that sucks five minutes in, you know, which happens every time I try to find something good there. Of course. I've been doing that a lot since you sent me uh, Yiffy, which is our spot. We should get them as a sponsor. Yeah. The amount of time yeah. that I, I browse their 2022 section. That dictates a lot of what I watch these days. And I've tried to get a lot of movies from this year in yeah. uh, compared to last year especially where it was slim pickings for for a significant amount of time. But, yeah, I I watched the Hyperions, by the way. I finally – see, I, it lost my attention when I was uh, trying to tune into it live. And yeah. I watched instead – what was I watching? Oh, The Snowman with Michael Fassbender, which was from the wow. same director as Let the Right One In and Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, the remake. And that that movie got a six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It has like an audience score of about nine percent. And I didn't rem- I see. I, I I first watched it a couple of years ago at a hotel. And here's what I remember. I remember the that hot, that hot buttered popcorn song 
playing that ringtone that was very famous. Apparently, the killer would like get off to that ringtone, and that's what I would remember. Is so that based it. on a is that based on a real story or is that just a, a killer? No, that I... it's it's based on a, a detective novel. Mm. Um, so I I watched. I remember. It again. I remember that this one and then the one with uh, fuck the Iceman movie about uh, that Russian killer. With, the Iceman uh, with Michael Shannon? Yeah. Those two came out very... I don't know if it was like a year apart of the other. So I kind of confused both of them. Even though one of them was like a real... Uh, what do you call those? Fixer, I guess. Right. Yeah. Well, the, the, no. Uh, the, that was that was the Iceman. The Iceman is based on a real guy, Richard Kuklinski. Um, right. They should, and he was actually partners with Mister Softy for a period of time, who they have in that movie played by Chris Evans, which is a total waste. They should have cast like a, a Brad Dorf style character actor in that Bro, role. Man. It's just instead of Chris yeah. Evans trying to trying to believe that he can act as as anything other gross. than a hunk. Don't you yeah. hate when they do that shit? It's just like oh. Oh look, my mustache is kind of not perfect. And it's like you're a fucking hunk from yeah. Hollywood. Why are you trying to play like a gross guy? Fuck off. They all have Just that can't... mentality. That's, that's the same thing uh, with that led Colin Farrell to taking that penguin role. Is I I don't right. want to be pretty for once, but they don't want to actually make themselves ugly. Like a Christian Bale could make himself yeah. ugly. They don't want to commit to gaining the weight or fucking shaving their head or doing whatever they need to do <laughs> to actually it... look and be that character. They don't want to do a Jared Leto thing for a movie that nobody watched. <laughs> he's, just, he's just fat with a bowl cut, and then no one watched that movie. He should have done it again for House of Gucci. He should have saved it for that. Oh, that would have been much yeah, better, kind I of, think. He kind of did. It's the best part of that movie. Are we going to do an episode of that? I, I would be thrilled to do an episode on House of Gucci. Uh, I, all, all I saw in a lot of the faraway shots of Jerry Little is they didn't need, like, he doesn't look fat enough for that head. No. It was a big round head ron jeremy style head and then his body yeah. looked kind of out of shape not really it's like it's like stavros Halkias on adam's body mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it doesn't doesn't really stavros head and adam's body like really he's fit, still but... it just goes to show how like detached of an idea of what the average like fat human maybe looks yeah. like to some of these people because it was literally still a slim body but then he had like a little just a little pouch of a gut yeah that was hidden because it was he was in like a gucci fucking uh track suit or something right. you know but anyway um are you gonna watch that uh we work show with him wearing a prosthetic no. nose no and halfway playing his shitty wife i wasn't even aware of those things until you made me aware of them with that awful photoshop that you tweeted about that one what's the other movie about uber or the series about uber i think right with, uh, joseph gordon levy what is it called is it? super great or something it's some horrible fucking title like we care about the history of uber that's just yeah, umar thurman oof. needs work kyle chandler needs work no one's casting joseph gordon levitt anymore because he's 39 yeah. he doesn't look like a, a young kid anymore right uh yeah no i i don't understand the how much money do you think that it's the budget for those shows? That's that's the thing that upsets me because it's just like this bullshit. No one's gonna watch it. And how much money are you guys putting into this garbage? We we crashed. That's what it's called. Ugh. Uh, that's the Anne Hathaway. There's another one too. I think with Amanda Seyfried playing uh, Elizabeth Holmes. That's about the whole 
uh, controversy. Oh. Uh, that moment kind of passed. Just do a fucking documentary about it. Who cares? Really, you're gonna, how much are you spending on getting these A-list? Well, maybe B-list at this point, Amanda. But like ten years ago, A-list actors to play this story that nobody gives a fuck about. Just do a documentary about it. Mm. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Have you ever seen uh, like, Have you ever seen Forty Eight Hours? Uh, maybe Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte. It was nineteen eighty yes. college, full Ooh, of very, yeah. very hard R N bombs delivered by Nick Nolte and others throughout the course of that. You know, Safety Brothers were supposed to direct the remake of Forty Eight Hours, but they didn't. Actually, you know what? We were talking about Eric Roberts before. Eric Roberts and Barkat Abdi actually worked together on Good Time. But yeah. they decided, let's not use Eric's takes and we'll we'll get someone else to do this all over. Oh, um, did they? Yeah, they did. Uh, he was too, supposed to play that drunk. disgusting bail bondsman who's got mm. like a very Jared Leto and Hasaguchi style head. Yeah. But with a bunch of pockmarks. Eric Roberts played that role and they, they swapped him out the day of so they were trying to do the same thing you were trying to do with your movie what do you getting mean him and then just getting Eric Roberts and probably not going to be on the same best dates well maybe I don't know I I don't know what what led to that like, decision like I'm sure they had to pay him right yeah so I'm sure that was what like 5k at least he probably got paid him. much better than that. I think for for a union movie, you're Eric Roberts. Uh, there's a legitimate budget. Robert Pattinson is a, a bona fide star at that point. People yeah. like people, you know, this whole revisionist shit of, oh, I didn't expect him to be a great Batman because he, you know, he I did the Twilight movie. Yeah, it's like that was 2009. We had a whole decade of Robert Pattinson playing great like indie characters, not just Good Time. He was in The Rover where he's playing retarded. Yeah. He he did tons of films. And people Devil are like, you know, I did yeah, creepy, Devil all the time. He had a bunch of movies stuff. come out. And they go, "Oh, yeah. well, I didn't expect that." Of twice it's like, "What are you talking like? Well, what is this force fake bullshit?" <laughs> That's one of the first tweets I saw about Batman that was like, "Oh, no one's gonna be calling him Twilight Boy anymore, and I was like, "Is anyone calling?" They him haven't Twilight been. Boy what are you talking about? He's the. As soon as the first movie came out, he was the first one to be like, "Yeah, this sucks, but it's a paycheck." Fuck okay. it. You know, like those yeah. interviews where he was just like, "I this the the most annoying fan base. All of you women kind of suck. The fact that you're all these fat women chasing me around and whatever." Like he came against that from the beginning. So I don't know if anyone was calling him Twilight Boy or. Like, that's his career because he's done a lot of different worlds since then. So, yeah, that narrative of, like, oh, my God, can you believe he was good? And this is, like... Right. It's not Michael Keaton being Mr. Mom a couple years before playing Batman or Heath Ledger doing... No. People just need something to say, I think, because they just don't have any original ideas anymore. And you get so many regurgitated, like, crystallized talking points that come up through Twitter or wherever, you know, they hear it on other podcasts, maybe. And then that just comes out of their mouth and they don't have to do anything. Yeah. They don't have to analyze anything. I, I, I think, uh, personally, Robert Pattinson, great pick for Batman. Better in this movie. I really enjoy his Mark Echo sweater. I think that's a good, yeah. good choice. I think the blonde yeah, hair is a good choice. The shitty facial hair. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know. What, what else can we really say about Good Time? It's a good movie. It's a fine movie. What do you think about the score of Good Time? Great. That, I made a note of that. Uh, I love the synth music. I, I'm a sucker for anything that has to do with like old, old sounding synth. <clears throat> and a lot of the tension here is raised by that. Um, so that was one of the things that I really enjoyed. Um, especially on the the moments when you don't know if if uh, the Con- Connie, is it? Connie mm. character is going to pull it off. There's a lot of very heavy synth music in that. And I really, really like that. Do you think that synth has, has worn itself out? Do you think that day is over? No. You don't no, think I so? I feel like... I feel like it was very overused for a couple of years just because it was kind of the, I guess, aesthetic that a lot of directors were going for. But I, I it when used properly, it still has that B-movie uh, giallo feel to it that when it's uh, paired with a movie that doesn't look or is that type of movie, uh, it elevates it, mm-hmm. I think. So uh, I, I really, I've, I, I love synth music. I love like old organ sounds and old uh, vaporwave shit. So I, I'm for it completely. I think it, it winds up grating on my nerves more when they try to emulate the John Carpenter style of, of synth yeah. tracks, which everybody who works on like a little indie film horror mm-hmm. movie nowadays does anyone trying to do a stranger thing sort of thing, but there is yeah. a, a variety of different uh, styles that you can roll with. And I like it for this movie. I think it works mm-hmm. for this movie. Uh, they had, I think Onyx point never is the, the name of the artist who worked on uh, able for zero zeros and ones, which is a horrible film, but good for a 75 year old man working on a, on a movie with Ethan Hawke during COVID lockdowns. Um, the very good artist. I don't think he returned for Uncut Gems, though. I think they got someone else for that. Uh, but that's another, I think, highlight of this movie that uh, makes it more favorable to me than Uncut Gems. Is that, this, I mean, Uncut Gems has its own distinct sounds as well. Um, but I feel like Good Time, I don't, it just works better for me. Well, it's a really good compliment to those long lens shots where they're from very far so even though they do have those lab mics and you can hear the dialogue uh it adds a very uh the warriors feel to them when when you see them with such a long lens because it's like okay so it's still the two characters that we care for but you see more of their environment and what they're in and that uh feel felt very warrior-ish for me when you know they're trying to get home and they're going through this unknown dangerous areas uh without knowing what's coming after uh this movie has that kind of feel and mm-hmm. and uh feel like the mu- music is used in, in a very similar way with those two and i didn't do that comparison until right now in my head but yeah <laughs> it, it, it 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 fits like the warriors does into like adding a little bit of tension on, into the unknown that the main characters are going into i guess Something I noticed when I watched this film this past year is uh, that the the amount of CG that was used in the film, maybe to an unnecessary degree, mm-hmm. is much more visible now than it was back then. Uh, for example, the opening shot of the building, and it looks like a drone shot at first, but it's not. It's actually a 3D rendering that they wound up doing. And also the same thing with the 
uh, Ray falling from the balcony, which I did not catch. I thought they just dropped a like a you know a dummy at first, but they didn't. No, that's a that's a CG rendering as well, and you can kind of tell a little bit easier now. There's a lot of like establishing building shots that are just not real in the movie, and it's like, why would you do that? Because I didn't I didn't notice it as much as and and uh, when did this come out? 2017. When did Good Time go? Yeah. And uh, something like the Matrix, <laughs> you know, right? The, yeah. Well, this this comes close. back to something we talked about before, which is that uh, they don't, Unless, they either don't care, or they don't know how to make realistic looking yeah. things anymore. Yeah, and it's as simple as just put your camera out of the window and point it for a couple of seconds, and you just go it. go walk into any building near the ocean, yeah. and then. That's it, and you're good. As opposed to paying four thousand dollars for this city rendering of New York, and yeah. four thousand is probably being generous. You know, it's Very more like fourteen thousand dollars. Yeah, to uh, that Sims game to create that image for you. How how much do you think the person who made that from Matrix Resurrections, that establishing shot in the tri- the first thing you see, mm-hmm. Sim City? How much do you think that person got paid to make that? Like three dollars an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they were some, that cheap. That they went to Fiverr.com and paid Indians to do that. Yeah, some whiz kid from Sri Lanka that has the the fifth computer of the in the country or whatever that was donated by some white men from the states, <laughs> uh, and he he was hired for three dollars an hour, and that saved his village. Uh, that would be a very so feel good story. Great. I would. I, I they should make a movie on that. Personally, right? I, I would watch that yeah. 10 times over compared to Matrix Resurrections. But I have a sneaking suspicion it was probably the person who got paid to do that. Now, maybe, you know, that's just a little chunk of whatever they did, but they probably got paid upward of 25 grand for for that. Why don't you learn yeah. 3D rendering, Hans? You can do this. You can you can make it in the biz. <laughs> just shitty. Because I would make I would make $100,000 and retire and never have anything to do with anything movie related just be like cool that's enough money for me to live here here's what you could do this could actually be a a work as a business solution for you is you just get a cracked copy of the sims 2 and you build a house and say i will build your environment for your next movie and you don't even like send them you just take a screenshot you do you do the what is it control command shift three on a mac and yep. you just send that Full as screen. a high high res PNG file. Full screen, my face is on it and everything because I have my <laughs> webcam on for some reason. I'm shirtless. <laughs> I'm just in my underwear working on it. Yeah, yeah. My see, like I wish my no, I don't. I was gonna say I wish my country was more of a third world country, but I I really don't uh, to get those types of jobs. But we only get fucking get yelled by an American on the phone job, so it's not. It's not as good. What was the last thing that somebody yelled at you over the phone about? Um, well, I work for an insurance company now. So I don't know. Whenever someone needs something fixed that I can't fix and they don't understand that I'm not the technician. I get calls a lot from like people being like, uh, yeah, so my washing machine did this thing. What does that mean? It's like, I don't I don't know. That's not my job. What the fuck? <laughs> Why are you calling I me? I think they say people call thing. you up and say, oh, so my refrigerator stopped running. 
Right. We started whatever, whatever the, the no, it's your was. refrigerator. <laughs> yeah, you right. fucked it up. That's you right. fucked it up. No, no, yeah. no, no. This is just a different hey, one. Is my one. refrigerator running? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, wait, what? I better go catch. Wait, hold on. That's not. <laughs> it's the opposite. Damn. Yeah. No, it's just it's just you know people that want their shit fixed and there's nothing I can do to fix it right now, so they get upset and they just sit there like, cool. I'm not, I don't. I don't care. I try to not care. It's, you know, customer service. Hey, did you ever see the the, uh, the Jerky Boys movie? No. No, but I'm kind of familiar with them. Uh, I think I was, I became familiar with them way too old because I never thought it was funny. No, me either. It was just a painful waste of time. Very cringe. It was like a National Lampoon, but in audio, you know, where it's like, oh, this is someone that is, I guess, making something funny, but it doesn't really work. I don't know how. Uh, very silly. Very two silly. Guys, very, a lot of like, eh, voices, right? Yeah. Two guys yeah. who did that and then passed around cassette tapes got to deal with like Columbia Pictures to do a whole movie on, on that bit. And so you had a film, which was literally like, Every 14 minutes, they'd be making a prank phone call, and that would be the scene. Isn't that great? Is a movie of fake <laughs> prank phone calls, high-budget yeah. prank phone calls? The Monday, Money Laundry movie. Uh, it's just the same as that uh, Howard Stern movie. I never saw that one either. Cause it's like, why would you? Like, what's the story behind this. Right. It's, just, a, it's he, just him recreating. He's playing himself in his 20s or whatever, doing radio yeah. bits that happen for real. Uh, they made that interesting enough because there was enough of his backstory, but it it, was, it still doesn't age well. It feels very like cornball '90s. Yeah, when you watch it today. Yeah, when they when they would do biographies about people that don't actually matter. So then at the end, you're just like, oh, cool, I learned nothing about this person. <laughs> you know, I, I, it's funny you mentioned Howard. Stern. I've I've been getting a lot of YouTube recommendations of uh, uh, celebrities being very melancholy and and uh specifically you know every the title of every single video is blank talks about chris farley's death so i just get a rotation of different celebrities being very mournful about chris farley's death i got david spade i got bob odenkirk i got tim meadows i got uh just all these people all on the howard stern show he loves talking about that's all they really do on the howard stern show these days is talk about chris farley's passing away yeah how how 30 years ago that's that's great hey i'm gonna go on your show you want to ask me about that one friend of mine that died 30 years ago it's right you gotta think about it in, in, <laughs> my career in terms is going of, so good <laughs> you know for a lot of these guys they probably have like an added pressure now to like reinforce the idea that they were that was such a i mean look i'm sure it's horrible to lose a friend of course but right. at the same time, like they knew this guy for like two or three years or something. He's just somebody yeah. who was at work. Yeah, they went out to parties yeah. together. But then was he high all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, how much did you actually get to know this person that was just being loud and high and boisterous? A lot of the stories they tell about him are really like dark, and not dark in like a funny way. Like here's one for example. David Spade was talking about how he was dating. And this is, you get the vibe off David Spade the most. Like, he's just sick of talking about this guy because he did a couple of movies with him back in the 90s. Yeah. He was dating a Playboy model. And okay. he brought her to an SNL rehearsal or something. 
and uh, she briefly met the cast. And then Chris Farley left the Playboy magazine that she was in on David Spade's desk with cum on her photo. So that's the kind of man that everyone's speaking of of, of so dearly. Um, but it's so psychotic in so many <laughs> levels. <laughs> it's so fucking just someone having a mental breakdown. You know, that's the only yeah. explanation as to why he came on this magazine and bragged to his friend about it. Another story because... that, that Rob Lowe... Sh- I mean, that's just... That would be grounds for fucking... Uh, not not speaking anymore. If someone's jerking off on a photo of your your date and then leaves it on your desk, where you're fine. What the fuck? That's literally sociopathic behavior. That's yeah. That's, that's not fun. Do you think he did a Japanese accent as he was coming, like a samurai from that? <laughs> Wait, no, no. I'm thinking of Jim Jim Belushi. Never mind. Wow. Jim Belushi. Wow. <laughs> Do you think he stumbled and fell on a bunch of things as he was coming? <laughs> yeah, he was just Matt Foley. I don't um, know what I was thinking. Well, I guess I was thinking Jim Belushi because it's pretty much the same, right? It's like it's the exact same. It's the, the it's same like age and everything. Two guys that, yeah, they were groundbreaking, I guess, because at the time there was no fat people that were clumsy on TV that were okay with people laughing at them. But then if you look at their career outside of that, outside of like the legend of who they are, it's kind of underwhelming, both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you got John Belushi has got what the Blues Brothers, fine. Uh, you got Animal House, fine. And then after that, what, what's there? Oh, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of uh, attempts of making him a star in just like bad movies. You got Chris Farley. Okay, so you have the, the David Spade movies, which are what, Tommy Boy and... Uh, Black Sheep. Black Sheep, which has what the biggest ones, if you're not counting what Beverly Hills Ninja, maybe. Uh, that was his penultimate a... film after he did the what was it the Pioneers film with Matthew Perry that they I remember them toting as Chris Farley's final performance. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> never, never even heard of that it, movie. It looked but, horrible. But his movies were not, you know, something that are that memorable outside of I guess. And this might be a little controversial to some, but I. I feel like Tommy Boy and Black Sheep are very much of the time too. I don't think they hold up. I feel like if Chris Farley didn't die, they would just be seen as like, yeah, whatever. They're comedies from the time, but like nothing special about him other than this guy. But then he died. So he gave them that aura of like, this is a classic comedy that everyone loves and whatever. But do you, does anyone really, you know, I don't if think he, anyone's revisiting Black Sheep. I mean, they, they'll play it on AMC or something. I might have it on, but it ain't. It ain't. It's not like when you're going back and watching uh, a classic comedy that it has Ghostbusters, or right? But I mean, well, Ghostbusters know. is not even like that funny, but it's an enjoyable film right. because of everything else that that's part of it. With Tommy well, Boy, like a Black Stripes, Sheep. or like a yeah, uh, what's another fucking move from the eighties? Uh, Blazing Saddles. Uh, yeah, a lot of it feels like it, it was from you know the. The '90s had a, a fat man thing of like, we're, it's okay to make fun of, of of fat people. So here's the clumsy fat man and cool. But now, like, they just feel like very much of like a capsule of that time. But I don't, I don't know if anyone would put them on the list of like what's memorable. Fat man in a little coat that happens there, right? In Tommy Boy, and mm-hmm. do you remember anything else from that movie? He's, I he's, don't. 
That's he, about he it. Gets David, he gets David Spade into trouble, guys. That's... Huh. I think you Brian know, so... Dennehy's in one of those, or maybe both of those, and plays his dad and Play dies. Dad, right. That's about it. Yeah. Rob Lowe plays an... So the other story that I got from David Spade, and then something interesting after, uh, is when they were shooting, I think it was Black Sheep that has Rob Lowe. And what does what he pretend? He plays the villain in that and in Wayne's World 2. So he was just hopping into SNL vehicles, trying to right. revive his career after the sex tape and the Brat Pack ended. Um, so Rob Lowe, I guess, went out to drinks with David Spade on the set of Black Sheep. And Chris Farley showed up at David Spade's trailer and berated him for it and, and was like, so how, how, was, how was your night out with Rob Lowe? Yeah, did you and Rob Lowe have a good time? That's great. Yeah, I would have enjoyed going out for it. But you know what? I was at my hotel by myself, like yeah. being that guy. It's very like BPD girl. That's what the yeah. Chris Farley sounds like. It's like yeah, just an insecure girlfriend fun. who's got mental problems. Didn't take her pills. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, he just he in his in his personal life, he sounds very annoying to deal with. You know, it seems like everyone was putting up with him because he was so popular and he was, I guess, a star at the time. But every story is kind of like, oh, he was just, you know, that guy that you hate in your friends group where he's just like, oh, fucking fine. Just don't fucking break anything. Don't fucking piss on the corner of the room. You know, like that right. guy was just like, he's here because we have to put up with him. But He's he he's gonna want attention soon, so he's gonna take a shit in the stove. You know what I mean? Like yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. like a kind just of like horrible to micromanage. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Exactly. The it's other your house thing. is just like fuck. Can we can it not be my house? Can it, anyone else's <laughs> yeah. house? I have to deal his fucking puke out of my mom's bed or whatever. Yeah, that guy. So, that, that guy's like always the handful. worst guy to have, and you got to bring him around because he's the star. He's yeah. the face. So. You you have uh, you know they so I David Spade went on Howard Stern a number of different times. He's got a podcast now with Dana Carvey, who's not he's kind of from his era of SNL, but that's not two guys you would pair together. It felt very Talking Sopranos, where it was like, who can we get from SNL in the '90s? Even though they weren't really the same class, David Spade and Dana the sidekicks will bring them together. Hey, so. To a feminine sixty-year-old white man <laughs> <laughs> from SNL, Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey's much older. Dana Carvey's like an old man now. So you have David Spade, who's trying to be like the snarky, hip, young guy, even though he's fucking fifty. And Dana Carvey's like, I have kids and I'm old, <laughs> and he's trying to do like church lady voice or whatever. But Howard Stern asked both of these guys, "Who would be your go-to roster if you were going to do like an SNL All Stars, and it was just going to be like a special?" season of the show all-time contestants ignore death or whatever dana carvey picks chris farley david spade does not pick chris farley oh shit i thought that was a very interesting he also did not pick dana carvey even after dana carvey picked david spade why would you pick david spade he was never the good part of anything i i like like david spade on snl he was has he ever has he ever been the best part of anything though Joe Dirt. All right, fair enough. Fuck, he really pulled that one up. Yeah. <laughs> well, right. there's no one else God in Joe Dirt. That's not really a, a, a you know, a tough hill to, to okay. conquer. Okay. What would be your top eight SNL roster Ooh. right now, all time? God. Wait, how many are they? Eight, ten? 
It's well, it varies. I mean, the first SNL roster I think was about seven people, eight people. Okay. All right. So uh, give me uh, give me eight. Let's say eight. All right, we're going to do Chevy Chase. I think Chevy Chase is a, a good classic SNL player. Probably funnier in movies than he was on the show. Bill Murray yeah. kind of sucks on SNL, but he's great in movies. Yeah. Uh, Chevy Chase, Eddie Murphy, because a lot of Eddie Murphy shit is still very funny to this day. Okay. Uh, give me, oh, God, early uh, – Norm MacDonald. Okay. Yeah, Norm MacDonald is three. For the for – the, will you put him in the news segment? Yeah, you got to give him weekend okay. because he's not great in the skits unless he's playing Burt Reynolds. Right. <laughs> but at the him. same time, all, all a lot of my favorite SNL players are, are weekend update guys. So like Dennis okay. Miller was great, and he only did weekend update. Weekend update. So I'm not gonna pick. So him. you can't you can't do that now because you're not gonna have just, it's just all weekend, weekend update, update <laughs> different, <laughs> different newscasts. It'll just be a news program. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Who, who do you who do you got in there? I got I got three accounted for. <clears throat> Uh, let's see. I think, uh, I mean, I definitely would keep Chevy Chase and Eddie Murphy, uh, from yours, but if I'm going to do a completely different one, I would say Will Ferrell. I would like Will Forte, uh, Bill Hader. Uh, I thought, uh, Daryl Hammond was very good. Darryl Phil Hartman. Phil Hartman was really good too. Resting whatever and blood. Uh, <laughs> Resting. I think blood. I. I, do, I wasn't he stabbed or something. No, he his wife stabbed, went right? fucking nuts and shot. Committed a murder. Oh, suicide. shot him. All right. Yeah, well, that was a dark enough. e true Hollywood story. Um, yeah, um, Phil Hartman's a good one. He's definitely. I, I I always thought he was funnier than Chris Farley personally. Adam Sandler's another one where he's fine on the show, but I think he obviously shines mm. in the, the movies from the 90s well he's not a, he's not a good character actor and then i think he usually shined on snl playing his weekend update characters right where he was play he would play like the vampire guy or like the young kid or like and this might be controversial again i like andy sandberg better than adam sandler playing that guy so i would prefer Andy Samberg playing the weirdo. Well, when you said him. Bill Hader and Will Forte, your mid-aughts uh, style yeah. of comedy was definitely yeah. poking through there. You know what? Honestly, David Spade might be in my seven because I'm thinking David Spade and Chris Kattan. And, yeah. Chris Kattan, uh, definitely. I don't know. Would you put your Horatio from before no. we knew? Before we knew <laughs> about Horatio? <laughs> what about Rob Snyder? No, but he wasn't bad on SN. I mean, the copy guy is obviously insufferable. I, all right, I'm going to say Chevy Chase. I'm going to say Norm MacDonald, Eddie Murphy, Chris Kattan, Will Ferrell, David Spade, uh, Dana Carvey. Okay. So that's your seven? That's my you seven. You give me another one? If I, all right, if, if, I, if, if I'm doing eight, <laughs> then I'm probably putting in Phil Hartman. No women, huh? All right. No women, no. All right. So I have to pick eight that are not the ones you picked. All right. So fuck, you took Will Ferrell. Chris All Rock right. was so, good. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Let's see. A Bowen Yang. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> A.D. Bryant. <laughs> A.D. Bryant. Um, oh, Jesus. Actually, uh, you know who also had a short run on SNL is uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr., 
and Ben Stiller and Anthony Michael Hall. So if you want to get creative and go from that one season with a bunch of A-list actors. Okay, let's see. Um, uh, fuck. Molly Shannon was really funny. Fucking Molly Shannon is honestly probably the best woman that they've had on SNL. Her or Cherry O'Terry was really funny too. Yeah. Uh, what's the other little one? Uh, fuck. There was another little frumpy one that did that famous um, hot tub sketch with Will Ferrell and Jimmy uh, Fallon. Anna Gasteyer. No, that's not who it is. Oh, no. I was thinking about the swinger sketch that uh, she did with Will Ferrell. I was frequently in a hot tub. Uh, yeah, that's the, but that's not Anna Gasteyer though. No, you, are you talking about who's not uh, nominated? Married to Paul Thomas Anderson? Because Anna Gasteyer is gonna no. Anna Gasteyer was from Mad TV, if I'm not mistaken. No, this is like a little. Oh, fuck, what's she was? Uh, she was um, negative. Uh, Debbie Downer. Uh, oh. Oh, ah, uh, God. Uh, she was on King of Rachel, Queens as well. Rachel, Rachel Dredge. So Rachel Dredge. I think those three, Rachel Dredge, Molly Shannon, and uh, Cherry O'Terry uh, were the three best female uh, cast uh, actors that they've had. At least the funny, at least the ones that were not afraid of just playing like a weirdo or like a creep character that I, I thought uh, was good. Then... Uh, after that, or Chris Elliott was in his mouth. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, he um, was on there for a little bit of time. Um, there's a lot of great comedians and performers who were just on there for a season and hardly had any memorable bits at all. Yeah. Randy Quaid was um, technically part of the cast of SNL. Uh, Jim Brewer was probably funniest right. on SNL. Yeah. You got Skinny Dan Aykroyd, who was writing most of it, I think, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fred Armisen. Fred Armisen was good. A I weird like, one is. Uh, well, you left me. You left a lot of just like two thousands. Yeah, I don't. I, I didn't really jive with the two thousands uh, after they lost like their hallmark performers in Will Ferrell in uh, Jimmy Fallon, which I did like. I liked Jimmy Fallon on SNL when he was on. Even there. if he would break every time, but that yeah, I didn't, I didn't mind it. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about Joe Piscopo? Would you throw him in the mix? Would you, would he be in your seven? No, I think those early seventies and eighties SNL are pretty, pretty bad. I remember um, for whatever reason I downloaded like the first five or six seasons of it, and that is really uh, it's it doesn't rough. work. Doesn't work. No, it's like they they don't know what it is. they don't know what they're trying to do. It's like they're trying to do something new, but it doesn't really work. Uh, and Dan Aykroyd is trying his best to be like a leading, like charismatic man, but then Chevy Chase comes, comes around. And it's like, oh, he's better. Uh, it's yeah. like, oh, whatever he's trying to do, it's not really working because you have a better uh, guy playing that here. And uh, I just remember not really liking any of it or early. Uh, I like some of the Eddie Murphy sketches from those years. I like some of the Belushi ones too. Uh, like, like the most, uh, I've always been a fan of the, of the most uh, ridiculous ones or like the most uh, out there sketches. Mm-hmm. Uh, like like what uh, Andy Samberg will do with the digital, what was it called? Digital shorts, I think it was called. That's not digital shorts where it was just a three, five minute sketch and then we just let him do whatever the fuck weird shit he wanted to do with with uh, the cast. Yeah, That was some of my favorite uh, things he did just because he was so creative and just out there and not really what the rest of the show was. 
Um, but yeah, it's uh, it sucks now. I haven't watched it for like what six, seven years, maybe. You didn't tune into <laughs> their longer. their um, you know, their choir that was singing for Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I would only watch whenever like Louis C.K. will host it, or you know, someone I liked would mm-hmm. host it, and I would download the episode and I'd be like, oh, that's just all right, I guess, but. Yeah, no, you know, I, I, I think the last time I tuned into SNL was right after Trump won because I wanted to see hmm. what their reaction to it was going to be. And it was the episode where they opened the, Hillary. the piano. Yes, Hillary on the piano. Yeah. That was yeah. Uh, really something. <laughs> yeah. What sucks is, is that there... they, they were actually right before 2016 when they brought in Pete Davidson and everything, who I can't stand now, unfortunately. But when whenever they introduced him and they did a couple of seasons – they were starting to get funny again. And then that all fucking disappeared because of the election. It all went away and it stayed away. And now it's just a propaganda device. Well, the Shane Gillis thing happened too, right? In the oh, yeah. He's in my that. seven. Shane Gillis yeah. is a good one <laughs> yeah. to have. Because uh, even though he wasn't on the show, uh, the Gillian Keeves sh- uh, sketches are much better than anything they're doing anyway. So mm-hmm. like that Trump that he did was very good. But yeah, I, I, is there anything? Have you seen the guy who does Trump on the show currently? No. Are they He's... not? No, he's Alec Baldwin anymore? <laughs> no, it's not. Oh God, did you see, did you see the New York Post headline that said she killed herself? What? <laughs> it was, no. I, I don't think he actually said that, but I think his defense was something along the lines of she she knew what she was doing by by stepping here or something. And then the headline was, let's just pull that up real quick. Was she did it yeah. to herself or she killed herself? It's so egregious. The New York Post is the best with front page headlines. Are you uh, seeing it or do you have it up? I'm looking for it. I follow a despicable defense in shooting. Is that it? Uh, it might be. It, it literally sure. is just big block red letters next to him looking bewildered. No, no, no. It's the paper. You want to get it. the you want to get the paper, the front cover of the paper. The New York Post. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. Nope. God damn it. That's funny. <laughs> it's not like Baldwin. Oh, that's actually not funny. Never mind. Uh... No, it's none of those. God damn. It's a recent one. It's from like the past week or two. I would, I would type in, if you want to narrow it down, go to March, yeah. type in March and they'll give you all the ones for the month. So they're not, wow. They are not bringing it this up. One. Ah, she killed herself and they post her photo on the fucking front page. Algorithm oh my God. Plate. What the fuck? It is. What, all right. What does the small print here say? Page 12 and 13. Oh shit. Sorry. Uh, whoops. Where'd it go? Here it is. It says, in court papers filed in civic suit, Alec Baldwin claims that cinematographer Halina Hutchins was partly responsible (laughs) for her own death because she asked Baldwin to point the gun at her and pull the hammer down. This is new. This was not in the 2020 interview. He's just making shit up as he goes along now, hoping something sticks. Yeah. Um, Wait, she why is that only on sound. Twitter? That sucks. Um, Did you get banned again? No. I think it got deleted, maybe. I don't know. It probably got deleted, yeah. Let me see if I can find the, 
things. Uh, would Alec Baldwin be, even though he's not a, an official performer, he's just a guest, uh, would he be in your seven? No. No. I, I, he sucks. Uh, the guy oh. that they have on, on SNL playing Trump is funny as Trump when he's doing YouTube videos, but they dress him up as Trump and he does the impression it's not as good as when he's like just by himself and recording TikToks or whatever it is. But he's not bad. He's a pretty funny guy. Wow. Okay, so I found uh, an article from March 11 saying Alec Baldwin blames late Helena Hutchins in fatal rust shooting. New documents. It says, Alec Baldwin filed legal papers denying any responsibility. (laughs) The balls on this fucking guy. Uh, It says that uh, the mistake was performed by someone else. Uh, his filing Friday revealed that Baldwin made an exhaustive effort to get the crew back together to finish the Doom movie, even after the flurry of lawsuits blamed him from for the mom of one Hutchins is dead. This is a rare instance when the system broke down and someone should be held legally culpable of tragic consequences. This person is not Alec Baldwin, said Luke Nickus, lawyer. Oh, he's lawyer. He's just an actor. Um, it says that he was paid $250,000 to start and produce the movie. As he has done throughout his career, he trusted the other professionals on the set to do their jobs. The facts make it clear that Baldwin is not culpable for these events or failures. He is the producer, though, so he kind of is, right? Right. Yeah, no, no, no. No matter what, I mean, look, he's he's guilty. He did it. Um, He can try and spin it any which way. It ain't going to be all that helpful. It says that Hutchin directed Baldwin in the rehearsal scene to determine how best to angle the camera and what movements he should make for her to capture the gun that the script had called for. Hutchins described that what she would like Baldwin to do with the placing of the gun. She directed Baldwin to hold the gun higher to, to a put point the where gun it was in her mouth towards her. And yeah, pull the trigger. And shoot. That's, that's what that's what happened here. Um yeah, I mean look. No who knows even what happened, if you're but... Even if you're shooting that shot of like the barrel down the camera, you don't need to pull the trigger. You don't need to go through the no. entire motion. Just do that. It's not, it's not like you see the explosion on camera. Right. You know, like it doesn't doesn't really matter. That's that's. I don't know if I like that defense. No, he's bullshitting. I think he's bullshitting. It's all it, he's just trying to save himself. And honestly, he probably will wind up saving himself. He'll have to pay a fine or something. It, maybe he'll settle out of court. Who knows? He's got um, enough money. Yeah, yeah, he'll he'll ultimately recover from this. But it is gonna. It's. I mean, it tainted his life. He's gonna taint his career for, for a little bit anyway. Until they need Trump well, again on SNL in twenty twenty four. What I was gonna say. What was he doing before this movie? It's not like he's starring. And well, I, I was just gonna say. Like you said he, he got paid two hundred fifty thousand. To star yeah. in a movie and produce it. And produce it. Yeah, that's not good for a big star like that, right? That's a Yeah, that's a good deal for Alec Baldwin. I think that's a good deal. Yeah. Well, again, what was he doing before this thing? Nothing. It's it was not just like Trump. He's... He was playing Trump on SNL. And living um, off whatever whatever uh, 30 Rock gave him of leeway for people liking him now, I guess. Because... He also went in the nineties, wasn't he? Like a piece of shit that no one liked, or like an arrogant dick or whatever. 
I don't know why I remember that, or maybe it's just his face that I don't like. But I remember that there was a thing where he just stopped being like a leading actor on big movies, and then there was like a little comeback with that Thirty Rock thing, right? Mm-hmm. Or am I? Yeah, more or less. I mean, he he was starring in a bunch of like action films in the '90s, and he kind of got a little sluggish. So he did the Diane Keaton rom com. Sir, he was dating like Meryl Streep in movies. You know, right? He kind of he was lost his older leading guy. man appeal, yeah. right? Which he, I feel like he got very shortchanged on that compared to most actors who can parlay that into up to 15, 20 years. Because he, he, he didn't really have that, uh, you know, title in Hollywood in the 80s. Because think about him, Beetlejuice. He was just kind of a wormy, yeah. beta nerd guy. And then in the 90s, he's, he's Jack Reacher, right? Or Jack Ryan, whatever. Uh, Hunt for Red October, those movies. He starts playing that character. And then he was like, I like Eaton. And that was kind of the end. Yeah. Of it. And drinking. Um, well, let me tell you, because you were saying that he wasn't doing anything before Rust. That's not true. Uh, he was in a movie called 97 Minutes about, I guess, plane hijackers. And I'm only implying that because that's the image. Yeah, Mark <laughs> the, promotion, <laughs> the promotional image. Uh, 97 minutes uh and then he was also doing a doctor that's a peacock series joshua starring joshua jackson. jackson and christian slater uh, remember what them? is what is christian slater doing <laughs> in that mix yeah so uh he was working even though he's not in the promotional pictures at all i don't think kelsey, kelsey Grammer did an episode he's a guy who needs some work have you ever seen what his life is like have no. you ever seen that Real Housewives show that he was on because his wife decided to take that gig? No. Uh, he did that, and he did, uh, you know, Long Island Medium or one of those e-psychic oh. reality shows. And he just seemed very drunk and depressed and fat. Well, that's how we all end up, I guess. Oh. <laughs> if you're successful. <laughs> Um, he's got his <laughs> Frasier reboot coming out, though. Remember, they are going to uh, bring back Frasier for Peacock, I believe right. it is. Or, Just like they brought back Mad About You for a season, and no yeah. one no one knew about it. No one paid attention to it. Everybody forgot about it. Uh, well, you're on mute right now. So even if you're swapping out, you want to put on your Beats by Dre headphones. Uh, that's real nice. But... Unfortunately, uh, nobody can hear what you're saying. Anyway, I think Hans is just listening to music now. He's just kind of bored of the show. He's he's just listening to um some what, were we, what was it, Damian Marley? <laughs> My fucking headphones died. <laughs> All right. Well, I you know what? I think we can just close out the show on that note since we've been talking about SNL for 55 minutes. You know. Uh, that that's not really related to Good Time. Nobody in Good Time, as far as I can remember, performed on SNL. Uh, but I will tell you one thing: Amy Heckerling directed Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Fast Times at Ridgemont High star Jennifer Jason Lee, who is in Good Time. It plays uh, Connie's older girlfriend, older desperate girlfriend, and Amy Heckerling slept with Chris Kattan, as I learned in his autobiography, because Lauren Michaels soft pressured him into it but i also think chris Kattan's a bit of a liar because he said he broke his neck on the set of snl and people verified that it is not the case because he did perform just fine two episodes after the time he cited so if there's now, no are you thing saying, to 
Are you saying that because of how you feel about his performance on Big Brother? On Celebrity Big Brother, that he quit the show. He's the first celebrity to quit Big Brother. Yeah, I yeah, am a little... Looking, looking like Bern Troyer. Oh, the Bern Troyer body. For those who... This is a good reason to sign up for Patreon.com slash Lowrez for our past video episodes where we pulled up a photo of his body. Uh, and it looks very uncomfortable. No, I was I was more in the Todd Bridges camp, personally. I was a big fan of different strokes as a child. He made it to the final four. He did very well for himself. Huh. So was that the crackhead? Well, he, he, he likes substance. No, she was. I mean, they were all dabbling, you know, except Conrad Bain. Right. He was dabbling on other things. I don't know. It was kind of like, creepy what? looking. <laughs> it was kind of creepy yeah, looking. He, I don't know. He, he, not... he adopted a bunch of children. I don't know. That's weird. A single man adopting a bunch of children. That's kind of... Well, it was, listen, at the time, the story is that the character on, yeah. on Different Strokes has a housekeeper who's black. She passes away suddenly. He adopts the children because they're so near and dear to us. See, he's a good man, Hans. He's a good, wealthy man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, here's Dana the thing. Plata if if you're a if you're a white man in the seventies of a certain age and you have wealth, you just do kind of look like a child molester. Yeah. That's how it works. That's true. We didn't Webster have a dad that was kind of like that too? Hell like yeah. I think he his his stepdad looked like Mr. Belvedere, who looked like the all time biggest pedophile. Yeah. And a man with a mustache. That's weird. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think that's the movies for this week. <laughs> Anyway, do you have anything to put a cap in good time? Uh, it's good fun. Times is a good, a good sitcom time. from the 70s. It's a good time. It's actually not a good time. It's very stressful. I, I rewatched it today and I was like, oh, this is, this is very tense. I forgot how tense this movie is. Uh, it's good. It's, um, it's debatable their best movie, uh, according to us, I guess. Uh, so... Uh, when it comes to their filmography and also Pattinson's filmography, I think it's a really interesting one. Do you think this is his best uh, role? Oh, uh, it's up there, definitely. I'm, I'm trying to think of the top of my head uh, what other things I've seen him or enjoyed him in, but it's it's like a <clears throat> he has like an iconic look to it, I think. And I don't know if it's iconic just in our circles uh, because of you know what he looks like in this movie, but. Uh, possible uh i don't know he was very good as like as uh cedric diggory wasn't <laughs> wasn't that his character's name in the harry potter movies i believe um, so he was in tenet he, did you ever see tenet i don't remember any of, of it i think i was very intoxicated when i watched that uh Cosmo the lighthouse the... people love him in the lighthouse he did yeah some i think this might films. be yeah, but he did uh, Cosmopolis, and I don't know. I, I don't think I've seen the rover. Um, I he's, guess yeah, this or he was very good in the Devil of the Time, which is a Netflix movie, which is kind of uh, kind of uh, not what we do here. Uh, give props to Netflix. The movie's not that great, but he plays uh, a very fat. Uh, never seen him fat before. He has like this big, big beer belly, and he's kind of rotund. And he plays like a creepy preacher that uh, abuses young women, and he's very good in it. Uh, but when it comes to yeah, his most enjoyable or best performance is probably this or or the lighthouse because of how 
unhinged that character becomes, I guess, by the end. So it's a, it's like a, a big change uh, with it. But yeah, probably his best performance. Yeah, uh, hmm. I would say for me, it's it's close between this and uh, the Rover because he has a lot of scene showing he has to do in the Rover as a retarded man. And I gave him some like hillbilly teeth or whatever. So he really gets into it. I haven't seen the devil all the time. Uh, How was Tom Holland? It's kind of, of, he's fine. He's Tom Holland. Mm -hmm. Like that's the thing. You can't really expect much. Uh, I guess we haven't really seen him show much to expect much. He plays a young guy that, He's very, he's a good guy. Uh, and then he realizes that the world is not that good for good people. So he kind of becomes kind of a not a great guy. But at the end, he's not that bad. That's, that's his character. <laughs> that's his character pretty much. And he plays Tom Holland. So the highlight for that movie was the Pattinson characters to me, because, to me, because, uh, Again, this is a very sanitized world that was shown like the so- south of the states. There's some murdering that happens, and there's like a serial killer side story with this couple that kidnaps people and like, like fucks them and kills them. Mm-hmm. But the Robert Pattinson character w- was just, you know, that the creepy preacher from small town that is just protected by everyone because of God and religion or whatever. And he's just a creep. Like from the first moment that you see him, he has like a, a southern, like Georgian accent. Uh, and he's very rotund. He has like a big beer belly. Uh, and uh, he's very good in that. So even if it's just to watch his scenes, because I, I feel like the movie's like two and a half hours or something. And he, he definitely does not merit the, the runtime. But Pattinson is really good in it. So maybe just. It, it's really tough to judge Tom Holland at this point and be able to determine whether or not he's a decent actor or not, because he's still stuck in that little kid mold. Like I, I feel like we'll we'll. The book on Tom Holland will be written in about 10 years when he stops looking so fresh-faced. Um, but it is entirely possible he goes the way of Edward Furlong and just stays in that little or, kid mold, but then progressively yeah. ages into a monster. Or uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt that we mentioned at the beginning of the show. Yeah, maybe. That's a, because he was that was his thing. He looks like a very fresh-faced little boy uh, in his 30s, I guess. <laughs> And now that it's more difficult to cast a 40-year-old man, or I don't know how old he is, but he doesn't look that young anymore, uh, he's doing the WeWork show or whatever, whatever the Uber show is, whatever, one yeah. of those. Super, super uh, so, Deluxe is the name of the uh, Uber so, show. So, so Tom Holland is going to need to do something like what uh, uh, Harry Potter kid, Robert, no, what's his name? Uh, no, he's going to have to do what Robert Pattinson did and escape or, all this fantasy bullshit that requires him to be yeah. a small boy a student uh because all the harry potter actors except for rob pat didn't really wind up doing i mean you could make the argument i think for emma watson i guess daniel radcliffe did a couple of movies but he tried he tried he did that play uh, where he shows his dick with a horse Remember when he tried right. to do Broadway? So he was like, hey, stage. Yeah. yeah, he was like, hey, I'm not Harry Potter anymore. I'm showing my dick in Broadway mm-hmm. now. I'm different, you know, and he did like a couple of horror movies. He did that Green the Inferno in Black. one. Uh, no, he what, didn't do Green Inferno. He... That was Daryl Sabra from the Spy Kids movies. Oh, oh, yeah, but he was in a movie where he plays like a Nazi, too. Uh, or right. like one of those guys. I don't remember. That was a couple I of years it was back. Green Inferno. Yeah, but he he's tried... But that's just Harry Potter, so it's difficult to see him as anything else. Uh, 
Tom Holland, I feel like he might fall into the same thing because every role that they're giving him now is just taking advantage of the fact that he's athletic and he can do jumps and pirouettes and and stunts. But his career is very much depending on the fact that he looks like a young man. So he can just be playing either a 15-year-old or a 25-year-old that's kind of a kid. Uh, once that stops, yeah, it could go, it could go furlong doing... A, $15 cameos for Sam Hyde or <laughs> he could pivot into a more, you know, not a sad, I guess, career. Like we'll see what that looks like. I don't know. Uh, I, yeah. I, I think he's probably going to be, I think he's going to go through a, a dark period after he's done with Spider-Man and then he might come out better for it. We'll see. We'll see how that yeah. goes. Like um, the Hobbit kid. What's his name? Uh, uh, Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood. He did. Uh, he played a maniac, right? He tried to. He, yeah, he does. It, one. Most of his work these days is producing through his uh, company that acquires horror movies. So he, yeah, he still acts, but yeah, for the most, I mean, he didn't really have a drop-off point though. Is the thing. So he was no. doing The Good Son, and then he got into Flipper, and then he did Lord of the Rings in that awkward stage, and that kept him busy and getting paid. Yeah before he started doing horror movies like Grand Piano and Maniac in the mm-hmm. the late aughts or early 10s. So I don't know. Tom Holland, he's going to have, uh, you know, if he's good with his money, he'll be comfortable for a while. But I could oh, see yeah. him uh, doing the Rupert Grint thing and just kind of being stuck and going back to like Channel 4 and BBC TV movies yeah. or, or whatever those those actors are doing now. Uh, like that come could, over for five years. Yeah, it could be that. Yeah. I don't know. Well, good time. Good time is a great film. One of my favorite films great. of the past decade. It's a good uh, time. Fantastic actors in it. Fantastic characters. They should do like a, a, a Ralph Bakshi animated movie of it. That's what I think. I think that would be good. Fritz the Cat style. Yeah. Um, Uncut Gems, also good. Let's let's see what the Safdie brothers have lined up next. That has been movies for this week. H word name on Twitter. Low Res Wonderbread on Instagram, LowResWB, Patreon.com slash Low Res. We will catch you next week. Thank you for listening.